Hi, I'm Rebecca. I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. I'm grateful to be here tonight. Um, congratulations to the chip, chip takers on the birthday. Um, happy birthday. Um, I have a sobriety date of December 4th, 2016. That date, I'll forever be grateful. I didn't really intend on getting sober. I didn't know I needed to get sober. I didn't know what the problem was. So um, I also, I have a home group on Monday night in Laguna Beach. It's a women's book study and I have a sponsor and I have a large sobriety family and I'm really grateful for them. So um, let's see. Uh, I grew up in a small town in Missouri. There wasn't a whole lot going on there. And from a very young age, like I can see now that alcoholic thinking, you know, my siblings are not alcoholics and they had like much different experience than I did growing up. But I grew up with what I've diagnosed. My dad is a narcissist. I don't know if he agrees with the diagnosis, but, um, and my mom was very depressed and suicidal and would frequently like threaten to like disappear. Um, and that's not something that makes me an alcoholic, but it was my reaction to that is I was like uptight and nervous just all the time. And I was like fixing them and I was calling marriage counselors for them. And I was like, you know, I have my siblings, so they have food. And I started doing all the grocery shopping. And, you know, it was just like from a very end, like I needed a drink at like age three. I mean, that was just like, you know, I mean, oof, like if I had found alcohol then, like I would have been drinking from the very beginning. So, um, you know, I, um, the first time I ever, you know, really was drunk was in um, high school and I was like, you know, off purple passion. Um, I drank like a two liter of it, went to my friend's house and it was like that anxiety, that all that fear, all that tension, all that just stress and angst. Like I was okay. And it's the first time, you know, I just was very depressed as a child. I was very suicidal. And it's the first time that, you know, I felt okay in my skin. I felt happy. Um, from then, I proceeded to um, look for every opportunity to drink after that. I somehow made it through high school, somehow made it through college, and then after college, decided it was a good idea to um, work for my father, who I've diagnosed, you know, um, and so, like, I, I don't know, I was kind of, like, born resenting him, so I started working for him, and this resentment just grew, like, something happened at work that I didn't agree with, which, honestly, after doing, like, my fourth and fifth step, like, I know is my fault now, but I didn't at the time. I mean, I was, like, it was all my fault, to be honest with you, but I was, like, I cannot believe I made this huge mess, and he didn't clean it up the way I expected him to, and, like, this resentment grew to the point where um, I started having health issues. I started getting sick. I started getting chronic migraines. So I started getting prescriptions, you know, and, and I realized once, you know, I got this one filled and it was like that spirituality, that disconnect that I had from my fellows and from God, like it just didn't matter anymore. You know, the more I took the better, um, you know, it started off with, you know, some pain medicine here and there over the years. And then it was constant pain meds. And then it was like, I, I wasn't capable of working anymore. And, you know, it was now I have some anxiety. And so I need something for that. And so, you know, now I don't sleep at night. And so I, I mean, you know, I need something for that. And um, so, you know, I ended up bed bound for 10 years and, you know, I spent 10 years just doing drugs and drinking, um, you know, the fentanyl patches stopped working. Then I realized like when you're throwing them away, if you like actually like take the gel out of them, it like is more effective than wearing the patches. Um, and then at one point I saw on the side of um, one of the pill bottles that said, uh, caution, alcohol may intensify effects. And I was like, yes, please, <laughs> you know, because at this point, like, that's my problem. Like, it's not effective enough. Like the spirituality, like I'm just miserable. I'm there's like suicide attempts and there, you know, and, and, I'm waking up from the suicide attempts and I'm like, just, I'm just mad because like, I'm still alive, you know, and, um, I'm not taking care of myself. I'm not taking showers, but once a week, 
I mean, that, you know, I was married. I was really, even then, I was like, I was in a really abusive marriage. I mean, I don't think I was much to come home to, though. Because, I mean, you know, I mean, like, I didn't take a shower. And then he'd come home, and I'd be like, I'm going to cook dinner. I'd turn on all the burners, and I'd pass out on the floor. And so, you know, he'd walk into the house, and he'd start screaming at me, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I'm like, that is verbal abuse. I'm sorry. You know, I'm like, I think to myself, like, today, if I walked into my house and the burners were on, in the kitchen. I might say that too. I mean, that just to be like, to be fair. I mean, you know, I think he was just reacting to what I was doing. And so, you know, I, I lived that way for 10 years and I just remember like praying. I was like, God, like, help me die. Like, I just saw like no other way out than to die. That was the only option. So, um, I went to, um, an inpatient for chronic pain because <laughs> alcohol wasn't my problem. Um, and, you know, they said, you should stop doing the opiates. And I was like, oh, that doesn't sound fun. <laughs> um, but I'll go and I want to get my tolerance down because, you know, I'm still like planning everything and in charge. So I'm like, OK, I'll, I'll do this plan, get my tolerance down. So I went, um, got home. My um, uh, thank you. My um, now ex-husband filed for divorce. Um, so I moved to Mexico because that seemed like a really great idea, you know, and so. Um, at that point, you know, I'm like maintaining Suboxone, using Xanax and drinking. And it's every day. It's to do the dishes. It's to go to dinner. It's to take a shower. It's to, you know, anything and everything like I need to do. And I go home um, to my mother's for Thanksgiving. And I'm, <laughs> I've consumed all the alcohol of our liquor cabinet, including all the uh, moonshine and all the vanilla extract. And I'm in the process of cooking dinner and I'm like, I need you to go get me some alcohol or I'm going to die in your house. I didn't tell her the death part, you know, but I was like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm at seizure. And so she comes back, like, I'm asking for handles of vodka and she's coming back with a bottle of wine that I swear was like this big. And I was like, that's literally breakfast. I'm going to chug this right now. It's going to shop, stop me from shaking. And then I'm right back where I need you to go get me some more alcohol. So, um, you know, I, I surrendered at that point that I had the problem with anxiety and depression. So um, I went to rehab for that. Um, and, you know, when, when I stayed there for 45 days and they suggested I go to sober living, I didn't know where I wanted to move to. So I agreed to go to sober living. And I had a misunderstanding with them where they said, you have to go to four AA meetings a week. And I was like, why? I don't, I'm here for 90 days. I'm here to fix this thing in 90 days. And then I'm done. And she said, you know, I have 10 years sober and that's how I found my sobriety in AA. And I'm like, 10 years of meetings? Like, you know, like I have a learning disability. So I was like, do you have a learning disability? I mean, like, what have you not learned in 10 years going to these meetings? I mean, this is, but I thought I'd get kicked out if I didn't um, go to these meetings. So I was like, well, that just sounds like a headache. So, all right, I'll go to your meetings. And when I, when I sat in the rooms of AA, like, I think because I didn't have the DUI because I was in bed doing nothing, um, like I, I didn't know that I fit in, but when I heard other women in the meeting and I heard them talk about, and other, just other people in general, and I, I heard about how they felt like that and what, you know, like drinking and that, that lack of control and that powerlessness where like, I couldn't stop drinking. There was just no, um, like, I, I remember at times just like, you know, my hands going to my mouth with pills or alcohol and not being able to stop it. Like I knew that's what I was going to do that day. I was going to repeat it day after day and I couldn't stop and so when I heard them talking about that, it, it, I didn't think honestly, this thing would work for me. Cause I've tried other things, you know, I tried counseling. Of course I was like bloated though. So, I mean, of course that didn't work, but, um, 
you know, I was like, I'm going to give this thing one year and I'm, I'm just going to see if I feel better after that year. And that's all I could commit to. But I also knew if I was going to do it for a year, I had to do it to the best of my ability because if I did it half-assed for a year, and then at the end of the year, I had to give myself like a six month time extension. So, you know, it was like, this is smart, right? You know, again, I'm coming up with a plan and I'm like, okay, so, you know, I'll see how this goes for a year. And, you know, quickly into it, you know, three months into, I mean, I didn't talk to anybody really for my first 60 days just because I was so out of it. But, you know, six months in, like I knew I'd be here to stay, you know, and I knew I would just um, keep going to these meetings. I would do, I, I became very willing to listen to what my sponsor had to say. Um, I worked the steps with her. I've had the opportunity to work the steps with other women. Um, I had the blessing of like sponsoring a lot in early sobriety. And that really like helped me stay sober because I knew I was like really kind of accountable to them. You know what I mean? Like I was like, I'm not calling them and say I relapsed. So I just stayed sober. It just sounded easier, you know? Um, but it's, um, but really just that like little bit of willingness. And so, you know, we talk about in AA like having a life beyond our wildest dreams. So for the 10 years that, you know, I was like bed bound and didn't take a shower and was in this horrible relationship, thank you. Like beyond my wildest dreams was to be able to do what I'm doing here today, to have friends to go out to dinner with, um, to take a shower and go to work every day. Um, you know, the, all of that was just beyond comprehension for me. Um, and I have that life today. You know, I'm in a good relationship. I have friends. Um, I have a sponsor that I call. So for anybody that's new in this meeting, like I, I really hope that, um, and anybody on Zoom, hi Zoom, um, you know, I hope you find what I found here because like I have always been, had this like suicidal thoughts running around my head. And it's the first time in my life I wake up and don't want to kill myself. And that's, um, you know, completely beyond my wildest dreams. So I thank you for letting me speak tonight. And uh, Bree, thank you for asking me to be your 10 minutes. So thank you.